Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hey, genre junkies, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. And I'm sick. <laughs> Yay. So you guys have to put up with my my froggy little voice this week. Hasn't this, this just been the greatest start to a new decade? <laughs> I'm like, I rarely get sick. And like, when I get sick, I have problems that make it hard to get well fast. So sick for so long. I know, it's so hard. So it makes me just a real, real cranky crank. So, Scott. Sandra. We haven't talked to the people in a while. It really has been a while, actually. I I mean, it's been our normal amount of time. I don't know why it feels like so long, though. What genre-related things have you been enjoying? I mean, have we talked about Star Wars? We need to do a Star Wars book and talk about the movie. But spoiler alert, we both loved the new movie. I cried. I cried cried. so much. Sandra doesn't cry a lot at movies. That's a rare thing. And uh, Star Wars usually makes me cry. Um, Usually, on average, we'll say once to twice a film. This I've patented the Star Wars sob because I just (laughs) cried the whole way through this movie. Star Wars sob. It was designed to be nostalgia. It's for Star Wars fans. And, you know, like it or dislike it, it really was made for the fans of Star Wars. It does some great service and I think makes some really good choices and is visually stunning. And like I said, we'll we'll do a Star Wars book coming up here and we'll talk and have Amanda on and do a little bit of a Star Wars spectacular. But um, you played the Star Wars video game. I did. The new one. I, I finally beat it. I had to hold off for almost about two weeks when I got close to the end because I just was not able to bring myself to do it. Again, a triumph. Fantastic. Incredibly difficult. Incredibly fun. What's it called again? It is called Star Wars Fallen Order. That's such a cool name. Um, Well, let's see. I've been doing some some stuff um, for one of my shows, one of my other shows, Spooky Summer Party. Hey, girl, hey. Um, We... (laughs) did our 2019 pop culture recap and I talked about some books that I did not talk about on Genre Junkies that I read not part of Genre Junkies so if you want to hear about those books you got to listen to the recap episode and we also talked about movies and yeah and it was hard because I realized I didn't watch a lot of new movies because of moving this summer mm-hmm. so that's a bummer but um, so now I'm like right out the gate 2020 trying to get my movie count back to where it should be and I've started out the year with the Dracula miniseries, the BBC Netflix Which joint. I-, I popped in and saw little pieces of it. It looks really good. I absolutely adored it. It's a three-parter, but each episode is like an hour and a half long. Um, and if you like Stephen Moffat, who, you know, did BBC Sherlock and Doctor Who... <laughs> I mean, it's witty and it's funny and it's poignant and oh, I loved it. And Dracula, of course, is that's literary, that's book adjacent. So look at that crossover sensation right there. And then, of course, I'm still over at the cult show, my other show. Um, This month's episode is going to be about Poltergeist, which Scott saw for the first time ever. I really enjoyed it. Like, well, you, really enjoyed well, it. Well, you should. It is a horror staple. And we've got the episode where we talk to... Michael Grace, the writer of Poltergeist, among other things, coming out this month. So stay tuned for that. So that should be a lot of fun. 
So now for our first episode of 2020, we reviewed a little book called Sourdough by Robin Sloan. I'm not sure how to, um, like what genre this fits in. Okay, so this is one of those that's kind of a genre defining book. It's contemporary okay. fiction. Yes. With science, and little with, science and, fiction, and, uh, yeah, little, little, and a little bit of fantasy, little bit of magic, subtle. It's subtle fa- fantasy, subtle magic. I mean, I would say ultimately, it is contemporary. It's contemporary fiction, which is not normally our wheelhouse for this show. But when you mix in a little magic and a little science and a little sci-fi, I think you get a genre junkies joint. Agreed. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I do. I I was a little bit concerned at, because my mom uh was reading this book. We had already had it planned, and she said, "Oh well, I, I'm I'm surprised you're reading that for the show." Like, uh oh, <laughs> if this is something that that came across my mom's radar immediately, and she doesn't feel that it's genre fiction, what this could be a problem. But no, no, I feel it fits. Yeah, and, and I had hard reviews from other people that had read it and i was like okay okay i see what we're doing here i see the magic and that's okay because you know we do fantasy books that aren't high fantasy um and you know there's books like well one of scott's favorite books the martian by andy weir that's not really science fiction oh that's science fiction that's well, yeah, oh but, that's 100 percent science yeah fiction. but you like you wouldn't think of it like well, your not, typical science fiction well it's not it's not spaceships and alien wars but it's yeah. it, that's absolutely science. and we've fiction. read other books about people who are immortals maybe there's nothing really magical about them Mm -hmm. so there's lots of ways that you can kind of expand your genre reading and you know look at things and be like oh this isn't typical Mm -hmm. but i see it all right so let me read the uh synopsis for sourdough since monster's not feeling so well yeah i'm sorry y'all have to deal with scott Lois Clary is a software engineer at General Dexterity, a San Francisco robotics company with world-changing ambitions. She codes all day and collapses at night, her human contact limited to the two brothers who run the neighborhood hole-in-the-wall from which she orders dinner every evening. Then, disaster, visa issues. The brothers close up shop and fast, but they have one last delivery for Lois, their culture, the sourdough starter used to bake their bread. She must keep it alive, they tell her, feed it daily, play it music, and learn to bake with it. Lois is no baker, but she could use a roommate, even if it is a needy colony of microorganisms. Soon, not only is she eating her own homemade bread, she's providing loaves daily to the General Dexterity Cafeteria. The company's chef urges her to take her product to the farmer's market, and a whole new world opens up. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. That synopsis doesn't really go into the depths of the playfulness of the story and the setting. No. Um, It sounds like a very, you know, classic, oh, this is just a fun story about someone who, you know, finds themselves and l- learns how to bake. And it Makes is. a hobby. <laughs> but it's kind, it's magical at the same time. And it's like so much more than that. And it's so, so funny. L- let's just, let's just say this. This is a little bit of a, the, the sourdough, the, the culture, the starter has a little bit of a personality. Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. Let's it just, really let's does. Just put it like that. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my experience of the book, if that's good. Sure. (laughs) 
Um, this was a page turner for me. I just really enjoyed this book and I really couldn't put it down. I stayed up pretty late last night finishing it. I just, I I love, first of all, we all know I have a little bit of a sourdough starter myself. He does. It's, it's alive. Its name is Scoby Dough. That cute. Uh, I, I, I do love sourdough and I love making it. And, and, and so I enjoyed it for that reason, but the story is just a lot of fun and, and just kind of hopeful and and positive and uplifting and funny it is very funny yes so funny um so this was not my second i'm sorry this was my second <laughs> time reading a robin sloan book read of his other book mr penumbra's 24-hour bookstore several years ago which scott has not read but he really needs to um robin sloan is so funny he uh sets both of these books in the Bay Area, which is really, really close to where we live. We live in the Northern Bay Area. And Scott grew up in the East Bay, and we've both spent a lot of time all over the Bay Area. So it's always fun to like- I know all these places. Yeah, have places that you know and references that you get. Um, and Yeah, no, I, I agree. This this book was probably page turner for me too, because um, I just found the story so engrossing and- so fun and i like the whole time i was reading it it made me really happy because i was like this book is gonna make scott so happy this book is like written for you it really kind of was and it was really what i kind of needed right now too i needed something that was just nice you know what i mean a story that was just nice yeah because I, I make us read a lot of ni- not nice things. <laughs> um, like I said, he's just he's got a lot of references that are so funny. I highlighted so much of this book because we read it on Kindle. Um, and there's like this part really near the beginning where um, Lois, that's the narrator, she talks to us in the book and she says, here's the thing I believe about people my age. We are the children of Hogwarts and more than anything, we just want to be sorted. And it's so true. <laughs> I... I saw that you had highlighted that, and I would have highlighted it myself had you not. I wish I could highlight it 50 times. Another book that's a really good descriptor of, of our generation and a little bit younger as well. Kind of the millennial age. Um, and I also feel that he does a good job of writing a female narrator and protagonist, where a lot of guys fall short of that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of, you know kind of gross description of her body and her <laughs> no nothing her weird uh, there is there is some but it's done in a way that 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 seems believable right because it's like the way lois is as a character she's very lovable um she just kind of never really thought much of herself she didn't think poorly of herself but she just never thought much of herself she clearly doesn't put a lot of effort or thought into style or decor or hobbies or like like things that makes her life full. She's really smart, which is awesome, of course, to have a female STEM character. Um, and so then she kind of like through this sourdough starter opens up a whole world and gets to, you know, grow as a person and as an identity. And it's it's very sweet and it's very nice. <laughs> as like the best way I can put it. And like you just really root for her. Um, I love the brothers. Oh, me too. Who give her the start. They're so funny. And I love there's like every other well, yeah, no, every other chapter. Just about, is, yeah. Yeah, is like an email from Bio um and Lois back and forth with each other. And uh, I I like it when, you know, books do kind of a mixed media thing. It can really work out well when it's done right. And their their emails were very funny.
funny and like short, but like loaded with a lot of subtext. Mm-hmm. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was a very interesting look at, you know, the way we are in the world. And this book did come out, I think, in 2018. But, you know, we're kind of at this weird place between body acceptance and disgusting diet culture. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> this book paints a pretty good picture of that weird place we fall into. And part of the kind of like science fiction-y aspect of it is like all of Lois's co-workers at this San Francisco startup, they eat this thing called slurry <laughs> and it's a nutritive gel. And it's just like, it's so depressing, but it's like so the way that like we're headed where it's like, well, it's just everything you need and there's no carbs or anything and you just eat it and you're just done. Well, it, it exists. Well, yeah, but I mean like, not everybody's on it. Oh, there's actually, you know, there actually are a lot of people, especially like streamers and a lot of programmers. They they drink Soylent. There's so creepy. Soylent is actually exists now. But I mean, it's sci-fi-ish, right? It, it is dystopian heavily. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, so then she's making bread, which is like the most sinful thing one can eat. <laughs> and it's so funny because there's a couple of characters who love reminding her that they don't eat bread. <laughs> her boss in particular. I don't eat bread. I, literally, I think I think he says that more than anything else in the book. I don't it, eat bread. And it's that funny every time. <laughs> so the sourdough starter is a character as well. It, it has a personality. It has a personality. It has quirks. It has needs. Is your sourdough? sourdough starter like that um my sourdough starter is actually pretty um pretty easygoing pretty easygoing actually she she ends up she actually interacts with another starter at one point that's very similar to mine um it was made it's made the same way as mine was made so uh it's it's fairly low maintenance yeah your your start your starter's pretty chill it's just kind of like a stoner that lives in our kitchen <laughs> just eats Freeloader, a lot just eats yeah. a lot um probably eats more flour than i actually used to bake so one thing that's like really sweet about this book is if you are somebody that likes to bake or likes to cook or likes to eat which scott likes all of those things for example i, I am a taurus he's a taurus um there's something about you make a thing and you like share it with people and it's like it's you know kind of a very base human thing and it's um very poignant theme throughout this book because your your slurry your nutritive gel that's not something that you make and share and it's an experience to enjoy it no it's just something that you slurp down to continue on with whatever else you're doing, which kind of the idea is that it's basically a bunch of stuff that you're not enjoying. You're just doing it. <laughs> Eating and sharing food and, and, and spending time at a table with someone is experience. It is. It has its own magic. It's very human. Yeah. And it's very personal. And it's like something to be, I don't know, enjoyed and like taken seriously, I guess. You kind of get what I'm saying? I do, I yeah, do. poignancy. Um, I mean, it kind of goes without saying that I feel this is a, a mass appeal book. Agreed. 100%. I don't think that I could give it any other score considering um, she wasn't the one who, who, you know, let us know about this book. But my mom picked this book up before we read it. I think that that is yeah. a really big but, sign that it's massive. But appeal. your mom, that's Sue. Hey, Sue. Um, she knew about Robin Sloan because I introduced her to Robin Sloan. That's true. With Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. That's bookstar. true. And you just fall in love with his writing and his characters, I believe. 
Um, another character I want to talk about really quickly is Agrippa, her little friend out there oh, with the goats and the cheese. Yes. He was so funny. He's kind of like her her wise old mentor guy. She also has the Loises. Oh, the, the Lois Club. Is that a real Lois's. thing? It's got to be a real thing, right? It's like so crazy that it almost has to be real. There's this club that she goes to that's that's for people named Lois. That's what it exists that's why it exists is for people named Lois, Lois Club. <laughs> and there's chapters all over the world. It's crazy. I'm like, is that real? It has to be real. And I love it because she's like a young person named Lois because she's named after her grandma. And old Lois at the club is like, oh, I didn't know we still made Loises. <laughs> so cute. Well, I kind of feel like we should probably go to the spoiler section. Agreed. But this book is like, it's just really freaking delightful. It's just a little bit of magic, a lot of science. It's a good time. It's, I don't want to say it's, I don't want to just call it a palate cleanser because that doesn't do it justice, but it's a really nice book to read if you just want to feel happy and pleasant feelings like you know when you have a really good slice of bread with butter no butter okay no bread with peanut butter no bread okay well you know when you have like just something you really it it feels like that it's a hug it feels like a loaf of bread i'm just giving you a hard time no it's very sweet and it's just very pleasant and it's a hug and it's you know just to be enjoyed and shared much like sourdough All right, we're going to take a little break and talk some spoilers. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. So one cute thing that I think is a great way to kick off the spoilers is the really slow, really subtle romance and payoff at the end of this book. I know. I was hoping that there would be something there because it felt romantic. Right. Because at first, I don't know, it's like so stereotypical. You think of these old world Europeans and they're like little old men or something, but they're not. They're like young and they're like her age. And they're from this this culture that is so interesting and so funny. I am such a great source of comedic comedy in the book and and then her and bale are actually like falling for each other just like really truly over the course of these months just just over email correspondence because they share something they share a love of something i love that she went old lois told her to go yeah old lois was right she was wise she's gotta go to berlin and have a restaurant with tables with bio that was so cute i want i want to i want tables that's all he wanted was tables he wanted a little more stability than the Maz culture yeah. provides. So let's get a little sciency for a moment. There's a part when Agrippa is talking about culture, <laughs> the microbial kind. Mm-hmm. He says they're just bacteria. They don't think or plan. They just exist. Just exist. They do things we can only dream of. And like he kind of goes on about the way they solve problems and they can live anywhere. And it's so funny because you don't think of them as being alive, but they are. They are alive. And and really, when it comes to the 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 bacterial flora of the of the world really when it comes to when it comes to bread when it comes to cheese when it comes to our bodies when it comes to everything mm-hmm. it's really magical this balance that it finds that it creates yes these these communities these cultures and i love the way I, that that um 
what was the scientist's name who's making the Lambus bread? Yeah. Um, when she's talking about how they live, they live just entire eons of wars and battles and and you know culture in in hours. Well, and it's interesting because she kind of says that, but Agrippa says it, but they're coming at it from two really different ways. Like, yeah, because he's coming at it from like a spiritual sense. And she's coming at it literally they're fighting wars. Uh, but it, it's it, that's kind of what, you know, culture, human like human history is like it, it, in both respects. It's it's both beautiful and horrifying. And I just I loved the alienness that that he created when he's describing um when he's describing the sourdough starter and, and other cultures but makes it but also makes it like really special and and um relatable. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree and it's it's a really nice non-religious, non-dogmatic, spiritual message in this book about the interconnectivity of things and about not losing that touch with, I don't know, with like the world. With, you know, like at the end of the book, she makes the San Francisco like starter because she captures the microbes that are there. And it's again, it's that connection that you don't get with slurry. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's no, there's no beauty in the slurry. It's just efficiency. Um, that's one of my favorite parts. I don't know, it's kind of near the end of the book when her and Agrippa decide to like really make the starter have to fight and like they put the King Arthur in and like she's like, well, what if mine loses? And he's like, hey, believe in your starter. <laughs> and she's like screaming and holding it up into the air. And like, so is he. Are yeah. you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight? And they're, they're dancing like, around. They're stomping and it says the goat stayed on the far side of the airfield wisely, but Hercules, the <laughs> alpaca one wandered closer curious i cannot stop laughing hercules is like he's a very brave alpaca i i just fun fact i use king arthur flour in my bread i use it in my starter although i didn't i didn't order a starter from king arthur i created i, I made my own i cultivated scoby dough is his own person yes their own person but king arthur flour is my flour of choice although i really want to try this magical you know higher end flour that she finds in Alameda later on. Right? What's up with that? Um, Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at some of my highlights about, you know, just the crazy nature of sourdough and that she sacrifices other civilizations for this one to eat. <laughs> it's like very funny. Um, and when it's, when it like tips over, when when the, when the culture actually tips over the jar and starts reaching over towards the King Arthur starter to kill oh it. Oh God, it's so funny. I mean, because that's it being kind of alive. And then also when it, um it sings. It sings, it hums, it it it, it farts. It's so funny. Like it's like a little pet. But that's I don't know. It just is like really cute. I love to anthropomorphize things, so does Scott, that aren't um typically <laughs> you know, that are more inanimate <laughs> or you know, the sourdough is not inanimate. I don't know exactly what you call it, but to give it a personality, and that scene is really funny when she first wakes up hearing it sing. It needs its music. And it occurred to me yours doesn't have music it, it does not have music what does it want does it want what does it want it, it it wants it wants flour it wants food it doesn't want songs it it wants food it just wants to eat i could sing to it i guess do you think i should sing to it maybe we should do it right now i <laughs> mm, i don't know <laughs> 
What did you think about the mad scientist starter that then takes over the island? <laughs> that was so funny. It even says it in here. The whole scene is very cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Very Stregonona. <laughs> Great literary references there. It was it was a very funny image. It was also really cool how it tied into the story that he tells her about the the island and being taken over Pirates. by this culture. Yes. It, it ties into that and it's very similar and I really I really appreciated that. The it, analogy. Yeah. Um I think it's really funny that the goats eat it and that it's not like a biohazard because it's edible. It's just like so funny. It's just like this weird cloud of like bread <laughs> that like takes <laughs> over and it's it's scary it's like the blob i would you eat it no would you try it i would try it oh yeah maybe i'd have a little tiny if everyone said oh here's this giant like cloud of bread you can eat it i'd eat it why try it yeah i would try it apparently it tastes pretty good yeah apparently um i'm not really sure about the science around lembus bread (laughs) i i don't know if that's actually a a thing i have no idea uh that's the one kind of i know the elves eat it (laughs) yeah that's the one kind of like like sciency thing in here that that he doesn't really go into a lot of detail on 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 how i mean he he kind of does but but in a more you know above the head level like if you know macro or microbiology you might um you might understand it i i don't i don't understand how it works we need to get rachel sparks on this yeah let's call her <laughs> like oh wouldn't that be funny we just call her rachel you haven't read this book i don't think <laughs> Way in. Um, no, she should read this book. It'd be really funny to hear her take on it. Yes, it would. Um, we will have to tag her in this post and be like, you read this? Rachel, help. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, use science explained to our tiny brains. Rachel how, Sparks, how wonderful Lembus author. Bread. How, how Lembus, Lembus bread, bread, Rachel. <laughs> um, keep getting distracted because of my illness. Yeah. Uh, this book is hard. There's not a lot to spoil because it's just it doesn't it doesn't ask any difficult questions. It doesn't it's not a complicated book and that's okay. It's not supposed to be. I mean there's it's not a complicated book but there are themes it uncovers. I mean we, all the ones we've talked about but also there's um you could argue there's something about colonialization kind of going on yeah. in like a subtext there's something about industrialization and the nature of, you know, kind of Michael Crichton, just because you can do it, should you? Well, yeah, because the idea behind Lembus Bread and, and Slurry is, you know, on its face, it's, it's, it's a good idea. Like, oh, you can make enough food to feed everybody easily, cheaply, um, and not taking up a whole lot of space. But what you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, God, it just makes you like, it just makes me itch. That is so horrible. Like, but, well, I, you know, it is not great because, okay, you're replacing the the joy of food and the social aspect that comes along with it. You're replacing the need for manual labor with these arms that <laughs> the they're arm building. The arm is funny. The, the arm is great. And I love how it kind of has its own personality too. Uh, she's she she connects with a lot of a lot of things in this book. She 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 definitely has the anthropomorphous. Yes, sure. And the anamorph. <laughs> the an- she's an anamorph. She, she she anamorphs things around her. Yes, <laughs> like we do. Um, 
No, and I want everybody in the whole world to have food to eat. And I love that idea. But I, I hate the idea that it's like, we have to do it in such a cold, industrialized, impersonal, cheap way. That's what bothers me. And slurry, I think they even say it's pale green. And I just picture it as toothpaste. Oh. It is. You just, it's like, a, you just squeeze it, don't you? It's gross. Yeah, it, it was kind of described as... I, I, I don't know what a Tetra pack is, but I was picturing, this is what I was picturing. I was picturing like a Capri Sun that you rip the corner off of and just kind of like. So you guys know I've done some endurance racing in my day. Still do. (laughs) And, you know, we have those little gel shots and stuff like that that you take when you're running. But it's like, that's just a little shot. I can't imagine that bigger and then my meal. It's like, no, that's just something I need to keep going when I'm pushing my body. Yeah. That's not fun. I mean, it tastes good. Yeah, it's a little fun. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. Don't listen to me. I just think it's the gel. I don't know. But don't do the slurry. We eat the weird sludge. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of dystopian ideas that are handled in a in in a fun and you know like not too aggressive way, but are definitely the beginnings of a dystopian future. It's like Robin Sloan trusts his audience to be smart and to figure out what he's saying on a sociological way without having to be heavy-handed in it. And I don't mind heavy-handed messages. And I know you don't either. Like, however, you got to get the message across sometimes. But it's like his kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge, like a little side-hug way of being like, I know you got this. I know you're hearing what I'm saying and these bigger themes I'm addressing, but I don't want to, like, burden you down. I just want you to think about it. Yeah, I don't need to go on for 100 pages on why this is a bad idea. You know, you know why this is a bad idea and you've seen why this is a bad idea and you know why the good stuff is good and you know why the bad stuff is bad (laughs) i don't know he has such a a nice voice about him as a writer and i i hope he writes many more books especially that take place here in the bay area We we gotta hang out with robin sloan he's so close to us well he spends half of his time on the internet you saw I know. He splits his time between San Francisco and the internet. I love love that. What a great bio. I mean, we also spend time in the internet. Robin Sloan, we love you. What a great um what a great author for me to get to revisit and what a wonderful introduction for you for a new author that I, I think he's gonna be one of like your authors. Yeah, I, I do have to read uh the Penumbra. bookstore. You Penumbra's bookstore now. I, I think I mean I knew I would like it, but now I'm like that's that that made a short list after this book. I think it's time to say goodnight because I'm sick and I'm tired and I gotta do laundry. And I'm not gonna take it anymore. I just wanna curl up on a sourdough pillow going to sleep in a a NyQuil dream. So Scott, what out of what are we ranking this? Oh, loaves. No question. Loaves. Loaves of sourdough. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give this four loaves of sourdough out of five. Um, It's hard because, again, it's not totally to my taste, but I still love it. There's nothing I would change about his story. No, I, I take it back. Here, a half a loaf, four and a half loaves out of five loaves, because it's a beautiful, wonderful book. There's nothing to be changed about it, and it's just really sweet. I'm giving this book no loaves out of five. That's because I ate them all. I <laughs> ate all the loaves. How many were there? All of them. <laughs> 
Were there five originally? There were five originally, and I ate them all. Oh, I see the crumbs. Yeah, I see the little all gone. So I, I give it crumbs. I give it crumbs on the on a cutting board and 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 a bread knife. Oh my god! Real quickly, we never do this because we always wrap with our score. I need your hot take on the weird, mean Martha Stewart lady who was the evil villain behind it all. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and Everett Broom, the hipster baker extraordinaire. His, like, the parts of her oh, like, reading where that he, book. Where he's, like, just going off in the woods. It, do you know who he reminded me of? Hmm. Uh, a, a book, actually, um, Select, and specifically Select Few. Remember when they when she goes off to that retreat? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like this hipster that's, like, so wise and so holy and he writes this book about the bread but it's also like this thing about his life and addiction and i built my own oven and really you can do it without it but it's just the best with you know this oven yeah and she's like looking at like his fancy (laughs) signature on the bread and she's like oh it's like a heart with like a cross through it and it was just so so good because in every niche and hobby and subculture, there's those those types. Yeah. I would read his book, though. And you'd love it because he's like bearded and like kind of like you, like kind of like manly man who finds... <laughs> He finds bread and saves himself. He finds himself in flour. You could play him in the film adaptation. (laughs) Need a little bit more beard. You can do that. A little bit more hair, too. No, I think it's perfect. Gotta do some hippie hair. No, you just need like a slouchy hipster cap. (laughs) All right, we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Scott, go in the kitchen, make some bread. I do need to feed Scoby, yeah. Feed your Scoby. Everybody feed your sourdough starter, tuck it in for the night. And please keep reading past your bedtime. (laughs) 